0: Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
1: From KQED.
0: Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right. We're here right now. Ish. Come on in. Get comfy. Relax your shoulders. Take a deep breath. And picture a needle rapidly jabbing the outer layer of your skin leaving the most immaculate, indelible ink on your epidermis. Colors that Crayola hasn't created, designs that aren't distinguishable shapes, and images that you can't mistake for anything or anyone else. Real NFTs, one of ones. Creations that no one else will ever have because the canvas is a real live individual and the art lives with them. If this is your first time listening, thank you and happy to have you. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of Right Nowish. Over the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about the art of tattooing in the Bay Area for our series called Permanent Behavior. We start in West Berkeley where I speak to Miguel Bounce Perez about Cholo style letters, the impact of declining industry in his neighborhood, plus his family's history. This conversation about tattoos came out of my fatigue of reporting on art that's here today and gone tomorrow. I needed to find creations that endured the test of time, you know you do work that's permanent and long lasting like i just i talk to artists all the time and there's a certain impermanence to the art and so in doing tattoos like how do you even approach doing something that you know is going to stick with folks forever
2: that hit me weird too because uh you know i started got into a graffiti mural art and that's like um you know part of the game is it's going to get covered it's going to get gone over so it, like doing something a little more permanent, I feel like definitely at first I was like, oh shit, I can't go fix this up later. I can't, uh, I can't like touch it up in a couple years when it fades. I mean, you can kind of with tattoos, but you know it's a whole different thing. So it made me a little nervous at first, just like go, like, okay, I definitely got to get it right first time. I never did anything in my life permanent. It seemed like <laughs> when they start tripping about being permanent, I'm like ah, oh, you know, only until you uh, until you decompose. <laughs> more
0: deep thoughts from Miguel Bounce Perez right after this. Bring us back to the origins. How'd you, how'd you get started in art in
2: general? The first influences are like from my mom. She used to draw the little old school, um, like these kind of chola drawings, you know, that Chicano style cholas with like the the feathered hair, all nice and detailed. I remember I used to like kind of create my own little comic characters. And um, my uncles drew too, and they, they all kind of did that same kind of, that Cali Chicano style. All my uncles did like the, the chola letters. You know, to see them around the house, like, written on their books and all this stuff. I think it was just more about, like, seeing them make stuff with their hands. Like, my dad was also, like, carpenter, mechanic, and built lowriders and stuff. Cars, you love making stuff. Yeah, I think definitely with the family was the first influence, and then... I think we're really um like in school, I would definitely always try to try to wiggle my way into like, hey, can I just do a poster for like half credit and like you know only write half the half the assignment? And like, oh yeah. So I started like, you know, early on, I knew I could kind of wiggle it that way. So that was cool. Like honestly, one of the things that got me really serious was when uh uh you know girls would be like, ooh, that looks pretty, can you write my name? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, oh, okay, they like cursive. All right, let me let me get my cursive game up.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so it's the the amalgamation of all those influences you know a little bit of everything pouring into you how would you describe like Cholo style for someone who was goofy just didn't know you know
2: like the style kind of came from them trying to emulate like old english and what he's saying is like old english was uh he was like anything important was written in old english he's you know he's like a death certificate birth certificate was like always old english so like when you look at Cholo style it is like kind of a simplified version of Old English. It's like, the, you know, the straight up and down letters, but all the letters have this similar, like, structure that they're made from. You know, something you don't need a fancy uh, brush to do. You can do it with, like, one line or with a spray paint or with a marker or something. And I think it's always been about um, representing people that aren't really seen. You know, it's, like, always been about that.
0: Yeah, that's, it's kind of mind-blowing to me that you said, because, all right. So writing in that like dignified kind of font, if you will, um, and how it comes from old English by way of like governing forces. You mentioned like birth certificates, death certificates. And I know that there's a stereotype around like that type of lettering that it comes from prisons as well or that there's, you know, like it's related to, you know, kind of prison culture. But to say that, like, no, this is a way to dignify a people, you know, a group hell whatever i'm writing whatever word i'm putting in there um because i know in like yeah i know in black culture as well there's the old english is is definitely a form of tattooing styling that you you put words or even commemorate a fallen friend in that font um sorry just had a light bulb moment right there (laughs) miguel's a child of immigrants who raised him in the industrial bayside neighborhood of west berkeley
2: kind of moved around Berkeley a lot. Mexican side was like more West Berkeley. My Filipino side was more technically North Berkeley. We called uh, South Central Berkeley. Like, right? <laughs> Parents first came over. They both came when they were probably about 13, 12-ish. And they happened to both come to um, Hunter's Point at first. Came to Berkeley around the 60s, something like that.
0: How'd they describe 60s West Berkeley to you? They
2: never really explain too much about like old school Berkeley. They're more I feel like they talk more about when they're in high school and they're partying. Kinda always about chilling. My parents met when they're at when they're in high school, when they're in Berkeley High. Actually the story is um, my dad was working at a gas station right on a what it was like university in MLK or somewhere right there. My mom was, like, walking from Berkeley High, and, like, um, she said that she saw him smoking a cigarette or something, you know, smoking at the gas station, some 70s shit. (laughs) (laughs) She came over and, um, you know, asked for a light, and supposedly, like, he lit her hair on fire. Like, What? (laughs) At the gas station? How dangerous is that? Yeah, that's the story I heard. I mean, mean, my my dad was known for embellishing a little bit, so it could be made up, but it sounds pretty cool. They were part of a car club,
0: right?
2: Yeah, uh, but it was called uh, Pueblo Nuevo. Pueblo Nuevo, the West Berkeley. My dad and my uncle from my mom's side had started the car club. So,
0: how did how did Berkeley as a city pour into your work as an artist?
2: I feel like there's a lot of murals around Berkeley that influenced me. The Che mural at West Campus, the, um, the recycling mural that was on MLK, the apartment we lived on. It was on Bancroft and like McKinley, literally a block below Berkeley High. You know, it went from like seeing all the Chicano styles of my family was doing, then seeing the graph on the street and, and the murals. I think that definitely just seeped its way in. Miguel also
0: came up with a crew known as Trust Your Struggle, the collective of artists do work for low or no cost in communities that could benefit from murals or other visual art that supports local culture. They started in 2003 and they've done work not only in the Bay, but in Hawaii, in the Philippines, among other places.
2: Trusted Struggle was like, like it was uh, definitely like like-minded folks who had a lot of the same passions and same views on the world, politics and life and everything. I think were more just like a crew of homies. Some of the earlier things we were doing was these mural tours, you know. Like the first one we went to was Mexico. We went, we started in Mexico, and like worked our way down, like on bus all the way to uh, Nicaragua. And it's basically donated murals, you know, linked up with different organizations and painted. And I remember one of the last ones we did in 2009 we went to the Philippines. we were meeting up with these orgs and stuff, and you know, we like this is the one we'd probably raised the most money for and put together and. And we get out there and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this mural for y'all. You know, it's free, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, great, this is beautiful. And then we see, like, how they're living. They're like, oh, shit, like, they don't need a mural. They need food. They need, like, some clothes. I think it made us think of different ways. I think it humbled us and, think you know, like, you ain't going to save the world with a painting. Like, <laughs> it might look pretty, but, you know, some of us have got, got more into, like, um, actual, like, legislation, you know, my boy Rob is, like, doing, like, children's books, you know? I mean, I'm doing tattoos, which is, it's, like, not, like, a political thing. It's a smaller-scale intimate thing. But thing what's cool about tattoos is always, like, or not always. There's definitely some people where it's not, they're just getting it for the aesthetics. But it's, like, you know, it's always some transitional period in most people's lives when they're getting it. And it's pretty cool to, like, share that with them and even help them, like, guide them through it, even, you know, if they don't have, like, the exact idea what they want to do with
0: it that's so tight bro like thinking about life in those transitional periods and like change is the only constant but like to get something to signify that you've gone through a transitional period is to say that i want something to last forever from this doorway that i'm going through and you're more or less holding that door open like or helping you know
2: construct that doorway even sometimes I'm closing them like, nah, you don't don't go through that door. <laughs> You're right, right. Like, that door, you don't want Remind that. I don't know you. if you want that door.
0: <laughs> Do you have
2: any specifically that came from a point of transition in your life? The first bigger ones I got were. Um, this is actually um, my dad had this rose of my mom's name, and I pretty much just try to when he passed away, in 2009. I pretty much just did the exact same thing he had on both arms i mean those are probably my most meaningful tattoos maybe i'll say the other ones have been a little more loose like like okay yeah that looks cool let's do it
0: yeah i definitely know people be like whatever i'm in vegas time to get tattooed i'm tripping but yeah definitely when i was younger it was like What's my first tag going to be? Don't do anything stupid. You know, I went with, you know, my mom, my aunt, my sister, family names, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, you can't go yeah. wrong with mom's name, right? <laughs> right?
0: Right. And so when your mom saw your tattoo that you did in honor of your father, how did she react?
2: Um, I mean, I think it definitely, she was sad just because it reminded her of my dad, you know. I remember even, I mean, her saying one time, she's like, damn, you got your dad's hands. Like, especially with like the tattoo. Like, of his same thing, like, same placement. Yeah, she's also proud, too, because she... I think she's um, she's really proud that I get to do what I love for a living, you know? I feel like it's almost like that was the reason why they sacrificed to come to this country when they were young, so their kids can, like, do what the fuck they want.
0: Miguel's got a strong point of view when it comes to his work, but he says he doesn't stick to just one style.
2: Well, I think, like, the big thing for me with tattooing is... Um, you know, I've always been about collaboration in you know, my paintings and painting with the crews it's always been collaborative but these like tattoos it's like a real collaboration like because like, it's like this this long-term bond you're making every time with somebody so I generally try to have it be more about what they want you know I mean I definitely would take um, you know my knowledge and expertise and try to like make sure it's gonna be something that's gonna look good you know years down the line just make that work with what they want, you know? And I think that's kind of my specialty is, like, versatility.
0: I'm sure you get a mixture of people coming in with different ideas for artwork that they want.
2: I remember we got this math club one time, and uh, which was funny is they all, they got, like, the inner lip tattoos. <laughs> but they all, like, if you've seen them, you know, they, you would have never thought they had would have had tattoos. But I guess that's why they went with the inner lip, because that's, like, one of the most, hidden places, you know.
0: Wait, hold on, wait. A whole math club got the same inner lip tattoo? What did they get tattooed
2: inside their lip? They didn't all get the same thing, but they all got the same place. I remember one of them, I think, said, fuck off, actually. You know, it was was funny. They all were, like, yeah, we're the math club. Yeah, this is, this is our bonding experience. (laughs) And we get that, you know, we get the range, we get that, but we still get, you know, dudes that spend a lot of time in prison and, you know, want to, like, finish up their prison style tattoo. I have I've actually done a lot of a couple of prison cover ups too like you know, like oh, I got this in prison you know kind of can you fix this for me. <laughs> like I've done a lot of those too I feel like. Do you feel like your work is a community service? Yeah, I never I didn't really think of it like that but it really is, man. You know just <laughs> yesterday my boy had a raiders tattoo that You know, the dude's, the Raider face dude was like, it was all smushed up, like you couldn't see none of the features and couldn't read the letters and I just brought it back. I was like a service to him, like making him feel better about himself or something. Yeah, it's like a service. It is a really a service, you know.
0: In the graph world, you go from a tool, like learning it, doing scribbles, you know, tagging your name, to doing bubble letters and working your way up to you doing huge murals, is it there? Is there a similar uh, chain of commands in the tattoo world?
2: It's similar in that um, you definitely gotta like pay your dues, you know, to get like respected in the industry. You gotta like, you gotta apprentice with somebody who's already respect. I mean, before like recently, has hella changed the game. Is you know, a lot of a lot of the old school heads will say it's fucked up now because you know people are learning how to tattoo off YouTube and shit where as even like 10 years ago it was like literally like like damn near like a fucking secret society that you had to like claw and beg and to get your way into it like a big thing with the, your apprenticeship is, is generally you know it's generally not paid like your the apprentice is the one that has to be there on time has to spend the most hours you know has to do like the most like grunt work and it's usually like like two years before you can even start to like pick a machine, a machine or something. I mean, that's um, that's definitely more of uh, like the old school classic way. It's definitely changing these last couple of years, which um, yeah, it's all fucked up now with social media. Like, there's new new tattooers will get like one famous client, and then all of a sudden they're you know two thousand dollars an hour. Like, <laughs> like damn, and New York isn't even that good. It's like a big thing about tattooing is like. You don't really know what you're doing until you see, like, some shit you did, like, 15 years down the line, you know? You can, like, it can be the prettiest, most detailed thing, but, like, what the real test of it is, what's it going to look like 15, 20 years later, you know? Like, is it going to stay? Is it going to, the colors are going to hold up? or your lines going to fade out? The old school tattooers, they're, they're definitely focused on that more, you know? So, I mean, because even um, even before I got into tattooing, that traditional style that they call it, American traditional, where it's like, you know, like the real thick lines, kind of simpler drawings, you know, like, you know, the classic images like that panther or, you know, like the um, kind of like the pinup style ladies and roses. Like before I really knew about tattooing, I didn't really appreciate that stuff that much, you know. But then after I started doing it and really like, oh, there's a reason why. Those lines are so thick or there's a reason why it's so simple because, you know, they want this to look good in 15 years. You know, there's a reason why they make it bold and simple.
0: Big thank you to Miguel Bounce Perez. Man, so much game. Thank you. Great way to start our series. Thanks for kicking it off. It's wild to see the convergence of culture, community and environment as well as family, all pour into the ways that you express yourself artistically, both as a muralist and a tattoo artist. So thank you, thank you for taking some time and giving us a window into your world. You all can find Miguel's work on Instagram, at Mr. Bouncer, that's Mr spelled M-I-S-T-E-R, Bouncer spelled B-O-U-N-C-E-R. Marisol, Medina Cadena, Kiana Mogadam, and Corey Antonio Rose produced this episode. Jin Chien edited this episode our engineer is Sil Mother. Justin Ebrahimi and Rhea Garawal are the engagement specialists Amara Ibianasi is our new engagement intern welcome welcome Kiana Mogadam is the senior producer of podcast KQED execs are David Marcus Jin Chien and Holly Kernan I'm your host Pendarvis Harshaw again this is the first entry in our permanent behavior project a four part series on tattoos and tattoo culture here in the Bay Area more to come next week until then Y'all take care. Peace. Right nowish is a KQED production. Funding for Right Nowish comes from Akonadi Foundation, supporting the development of powerful social change movements to eliminate structural racism.